Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That is what we do around here week after week, day after day, year after year. I've done it for 61 years, Chuck. I've done it perfectly for 61 years. I have not died You're well no i actually well no, wait a minute. i take that <laughs> I don't back think you can say that <laughs> i did die two times yeah but not very well you did not very well yeah you know and not to be gross but a lot of our listeners are former alcoholics and drug addicts and you those in the know when you know that you, you know here's a question for you or the a statement you know you've really been dead when fill in the blank you're blue your pants are filled with pee and poop. Pee and poop. Pee and then poop. I died a That's lot of times really when know. I drank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that was a trick because I did OD like back in the romantic 80s with uh, Anthony Kiedis and all that and an ice cube up the butt and all that kind of stuff. That's not really dying, Chuck, even though we said it was. You know what I mean? If they can stand you up and put you in a bathtub, you're not dead. Oh, yeah. No, right? he's just mostly dead. Like I'm <laughs> Princess <dead>. Bride. <laughs> but then later on, as I hit my bottom, as they say in the Alcoholics Anonymous, the last time I used drugs, I had a little bit of poopy in my pants. Uh, nice. And I had been out since it was dark out and it was light out. I was in the outdoors also, Chuck. So you can really tell how quickly, you know, how long something's been. If you, if you if you shot your drug and it was like 2:30 3 o'clock 3:30 in the morning and then you came to and it was light out that's a long period of time yeah and i had i had i was so dead you, and you had some poop in your pants i had died and i was alive so i right when i thought you couldn't get any hotter you got other than those two times i believe i have been a perfect uh 61 years for 61 years have not died our guest has been sober since he was 17 years old so i don't even think he ever died like i would hope not if he got sober at 17 you shouldn't have OD'd and died, but he might have. Twice. Anyways, let me tell you a little Twice. bit about the guest. <laughs> the other night, we talked about how horrible it is to send your kids away to boarding school. And Chuck used to bring kids to boarding school, behavior modification boarding schools. And I would never send my child to that. Um, the problem is me and my relationship with my kid. So removing my kid just makes me feel better, but uh, it's not going to really, I don't think, help my kid. And by the way, I've met dozens and dozens of kids that have been in those boarding schools that are hope to die junkies and still going in and out of rehab at 35 and 40 years old. So I don't know how effective those places are. But then Mike Mart pointed out, hey, wait a minute. What about what? <laughs> 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 Wag is the only person on earth who has ever gotten sober in a behavior modification boarding school, and he's here to testify <laughs> how the fuck that is. Well, hello, Wag. <laughs> Hi, Chuck. 
Chris Wagner, Wag, what are you doing? Hi, Bobby. How you doing? Hi, Mike. Right on. Good to see you all. And is that is that case you got sober ASAP, a a, a lockdown adolescent place when you were seventeen? Is that right? When I was eighteen. Eighteen. And it wasn't it wasn't the adolescent place. My third place. The first two places were psych wards and then with the so kids. So when you're in one of those psych wards, this is in the 80s, I'm imagining, Wag? Is that yeah, this is, this, this is in the 80s. This is 80. So did you have to go to school? Did you have to go to school when you're in the psych ward lockdown unit? Yeah, you, you do, do, right? You do. Yeah, there's, there's, you go to school every day. Uh, there's, uh, there's a little area. Okay, so it, the hospital layout is like a big U shape. Right. Yeah. It's these, and it's these three hallways. Two hallways are the general pop, and, and that's kind of like by the front door. And they're locked and they have locked doors, electronic doors that you know you can't get out unless somebody lets you in or out. Um, and then the back, the back part of the U is a place called the North Wing. And the North Wing is it's you you start in the North Wing and you spend like a day, and if you're cool, they let you out. And it and it was a level system. So every day that you were cool, you got to you got to go up a level, and eventually, like your your levels like got you things, you know, and like you could eventually even go on pass. How the and, like, hell go... are you a teenage drug addict, and they're letting you out of the locked facility, and you don't get high, and you don't run away? You're, no, they would let you walk down to the store. What? They would let you. Yeah, swear to God, where where'd you go? This is the eighties, Chuck. This is a crazy time. This place was called Crossroads. It was on Victory and Woodman. Oh, God. You oh. are always in the valley, aren't you? You are a deep valley motherfucker. That's for sure. <laughs> Fuck yes, eh? Fucking Lake Your Terrace, home. Fucking that's my jam. <laughs> the big problem with that place is if you if you have behavioral issues like like I did, along with my up? along with my drug addict. Yeah, they sprained my neck. I fucking dude, I would fight every staff member in there. Um, they would put me on meds they, they and they didn't know what the fuck to put me on because I was all over the place. Thorazine. I would pick Thorazine. I would think Thorazine. Thorazine. Put me on Thorazine the last time that, that they put me in the North Wing. And the dude, he, uh, the, the dude came from behind me. Uh, there's a dude in front of me and a dude behind me. I knew the dude was behind me and I knew the minute I could kind of sense him coming, I started swinging my elbows, right? And, and like I was, I was, you know, I was like a buck forty. Uh, uh, you know, I was fourteen. You know, fourteen, um, and you yeah. walked away in a psych ward. What? So what were your? Okay, before you get into the fight, what are your parents thinking? My dad was sober in the in the twelve step program, going to going to AA. Fucking pioneer, and man. No one, none of his AA buddies said, "Hey, you don't know how to raise a son." They they didn't really, you know. It was a different time, you know. Back then, you just beat the shit out of your kids, and when that didn't work, you didn't know oh what the God. fuck to do. You know what I mean? Did you fifty one fifty in, or were you just you you were self admitted? No, I was I was brought in my brothers and my and my dad self-admitted what 14 year old is going to be locked away away from his friends and and pot and girls. I, I doubt he volunteered. Means, it means not brought not brought yeah, in no, they, by an emergency vehicle or emergency personnel. I wasn't brought in by emergency vehicle or personnel. I was brought in by my family. I was also not uh, living at home. 
you know, they tried, they tried, hey, listen, they gave me the old, like, here's the deal. If you want help, you can come to us. But if you don't want, and again, and, and I'm not defending anybody's actions or anybody's decisions. I was stealing all their stuff. I was, you know, I was a, I was a drug addict doing drug addict stuff. And, and I, and I had whatever, uh, other issues I had, you know, uh, were in full fledged, even if it was just being 14 and being out of my mind, I was, I was extra on all. I of met it. you. I met you when you were twenty-one, <laughs> probably, or twenty-two, or twenty-three, maybe. No, probably twenty. You met me before. You met me before I was with Kim. Yeah. Okay. So twenty, right? Yeah. yeah. You. You obviously. I, I. I. Can I just speak frankly? Because I'm a clinician, wag. I've known you my whole your whole life. You have. You have ADHD. You have oh, dyslexia. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's hard for you to learn and understand what people are talking about sometimes right definitely definitely but when you found something that really worked that was physical to learn the bass you took it like to hand to glove and you were a good bass player by the time you're i met you at 20 you're a great bass bass player by the time you're 25 you're you're a studio musician producer engineer and doing television and and film music mm -hmm. They're not seeing that you're dyslexic and you can't see language and they're not seeing that you have a hyperactive disorder. So yeah, they're no, they, ill diagnosing they it. So your parents are beating you because that's what we do to them. But that, that I, I do believe they get a free pass. Our parents do get a free pass. But the clinicians who dealt with you and beat you up in the facilities, no fucking free pass for those people. They should have known better. And it was bullshit. Yeah. But how did you, but you got sober, but you got Dude, sober. They take, you, so. they take you back to this place called the North wing and they, and they tie you to a fucking bed. Dude. The restraints. Yeah. They straight up, they fucking, they restrain, they restrain you to the bed and the beds bolted to the ground and you're back there and it's insane. And you're back there with real fucking insane motherfuckers that are doing the same thing that can't, I couldn't make it out of there. I couldn't get out. It was crazy. So, I couldn't, I couldn't behave long enough. You know, and then like one, one, they had those little, they had those little square windows with the wires yep. in at the doors. And, and, and I remember it was Halloween and I remember looking at one of the dudes and I, and I noticed he was high. I could see his fucking eyes are dilated. So he clearly got some shrooms or some acid in there. Like one of the dudes I knew was kind of like, this dude was on levels and was like going out. They let you smoke in there. Like we were in there smoking. Yeah. Like it was all like, you know, they were like, as long as they're not fucking like going nuts right and uh and i remember just seeing and looking and going that guy's high and looking at one girl was high and i just remember just starting to fucking punch the fucking glass and breaking it and just and getting taken down again and then getting fucking brought you know right back oh to that my bed God. and tied and down then you start over again <laughs> then you start over again and then you're just fucking stuck back there in this endless fucking cycle of like, I'm never getting out of this fucking thing. You guys didn't have a, a quiet room because what you're talking about, the North end or whatever was North wing, North wing in brand neuropsychiatric. It was called F word. And that okay. was, that's where you went in originally. And then I tried, you want to get to the C ward because that's where they've got refrigerators. Are you talking with, as a yeah. client? Were you, were you in these places too, Chuck? Yeah. A couple of oh times. Oh my God. That's why it's just, it's so funny how similar it is because we didn't call anybody unless they were a doctor, they were all staff. And it was like, fucking yeah. staff's yeah. coming. Yeah. Fuck yeah. staff. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was, and then then it's boom back to F and yep. quiet room or restraints. Yep. yep. How did Mike Mark dodge this this uh, this path? You know what? Your family has to have insurance. <laughs> My dad had really good insurance. So did mine. My dad worked at Lockheed. He had great insurance. Oh my <laughs> god! And, that's, and, and, oh. and and trip this. My mom worked at Lockheed too. She worked in the insurance department. Oh, so my like god. we were just kind unlimited, of unlimited. I didn't even talk to my parents for months. Sometimes months. <laughs> that's, that's fucking crazy. That's, that's <laughs> and how old? And how old? Like as soon as I turned eighteen, I just left and fucking no, you know. Guys, okay, see, I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm so different. That I loved my dad. I idolized him. He was the greatest guy in the world, and and just like my mom was kind of a stuck up person like phony but but like i don't know i i grew up all right i never like if i, I maybe i was the original millennial because if i had trouble at school my mom my mom you my, started no, millennialism because I, I swear to god if i got in trouble at school my mom would put it on the school we pay one thousand dollars oh a month god. for you to go to that school I'd be like, yeah, it's a fucking school. You got to get there. This is like a school. Was your mom Keith Morris? You just did Keith Morris voice for your mom. I didn't know no, she but, was your mom. But it is like, maybe it's growing up in Palm Springs, too. That You guys are all urban dwellers. But yeah, but yeah. They, there was just nothing like this when I grew up. Nothing. Yeah, I got put on meds. Yeah, like you got put on meds. But yeah, not you never were not like beat up. When the behaviors get bad enough, like my first time in was a 5150. And then my second time, in, it just gets easier to get back in, especially, you know, when they know I, I'm willing, you know, because I was willing to do the time because a lot of people just a lot of the kids, especially because we're all under 18 in the in the lockdown. And, you know, it was just like we just want to get good enough to be able to check the girls in the EDU because the girls in the eating disorder unit were like had no self worth and they would talk to me you know so we try to get go, go to walk to them that's in a movie called <laughs> girl interrupted isn't it <laughs> but chuck you were decades away from being sober why well, got sober in this environment how no, no, I got, is I got, that I, well a I, year I, later I, it's not that no, much I, I, four years four years later and when i went to the asap place <laughs> the the there was the adult part of that they weren't letting me in when I was 17. I didn't stay sober. I got out and got loaded like a bunch more times for about another year. So <laughs> Dewey, I got to ask, did you stay in touch with some of the people like I did? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Some of the people I met on the inside stayed friends for a bunch of us loonies. <laughs> there was a couple of solid fucking dudes in there. There was yeah. this one dude. <laughs> this one dude was a trip, man. And like, you know how I'm like kind of spazzy and have a lot of energy. He was like that guy who just kind of just like, uh, what's that? It's like he was kind of Asperger's-y, but way, <laughs> he was just mellow. Yeah, was so mellow. And the gnarliest shit would happen. And he would just be like, you know, just like, like a Dick's Denny type? Like kind, Dick's of a, Denny? kind of a Dick's Denny vibe. <laughs> I knew I loved Dick for some reason. That, that was always it. Wait, can we just save that sound bite? I knew I loved Dick's. <laughs> I love Dick's. Let me tell you this. Uh, so, so was Chris Hoy in ASAP as a client? 
No, I don't think Chris Hoy ever went to ASAP. He was, was in Cry Help. Was Wait, King? Was David King in there? No, David King was in Cry Help as well. You uh, guys did Pasadena. You did Pasadena ASAP. No, I did the one on Cold no, Sepulveda. Oh, Cold okay, so, Hey, did they shave your head? No, uh -uh. they didn't. No, I was in I was in ASAP as an adult, and it was kind of trendy to go there in like eighty nine, ninety. Right, I was in the outpatient there because they had the NBA players contract. There was NBA yeah. basketball players in there. That was the greatest thing. Tony, I remember Tony, Tony, that light skinned dude. And, well, Anthony was Tony? in there. Yeah, but do you remember Tony, that light skinned black dude who used to be there, and he would always deal with the NBA players. Oh, maybe, yeah. That dude lives on Sherman Way, or he was living on Sherman Way and Woodman. He was homeless, just high as fuck on meth. I've gone out to visit him. Oh, you're him. kidding. Still alive nah, 40 years later, 30 years yeah, later. Yeah, but like had a bunch of time, went out, never came back. I live in I live in the Enlan Empire, so I know I shouldn't criticize the valley, but my <laughs> only real memories of the valley are uh, getting addicts out of motels on Sepulveda and Burbank Boulevard. <laughs> Chris Bohm, fucking, you know, Anthony, like why they go there. Sepulveda and Burbank Boulevard. That's There's all a the million dirty, motels. Dirty. There's a million motels in LA. Why you got to go out to the valley? So we got to drive out to the valley to get you. I don't know. And then <laughs> cry help. It's just the, the bane of my existence. First time I went to cry help was I was sober and I was going to visit Gloria Scott. And uh, Gloria. Uh, Michael Kelly was a friend of mine and he was walking on the track. And I walked out to the side. Yeah, back when they had the track. And I was like, Dude, what are you doing? And he goes, get away from me. You're going to get me in more trouble. I was, and I was looking around like, in trouble from who? What the fuck are you talking about? You're the wrong man. Yeah. Why yeah. are you just walking around a track in the middle of August? He goes, you're yeah. going to get me. You're going to get me in more trouble. And like, this is the most powerful guy, like the king of punk rock. And he's scared of some fucking gangbanger tech guy that's making him walk around the track. I never... And so cry help really none of these behavior mod programs fit my personality but so i go into his office <laughs> they didn't, and i go, didn't I go fit anybody's is, personality <laughs> i said why is my friend michael walking around the track and she goes you know i i think he refused to make his bed or something and i was like oh my fucking god that's ridiculous and and so they make you dig your grave with a spoon i remember telling her I will die of drugs before I ever go. <laughs> Wait, Wag. Wag, Bob, Bob has told that story about the digging the grave with the spoon before. Tell that story. What, who, who made you dig your fucking grave? What? I, saw, I saw people doing it. They'd they get they, down they this dirt area. Yeah. And you'd have to dig a grave with a spoon, man. Like they, how Like how deep? <laughs> Here's the, the thing. You were six feet deep, I get, nine feet long. Four feet <laughs> I mean, like, was it a shallow <laughs> grave? Or a big by the time you were done. That was you had to, really, it was like, it was like, you just had to do it from when groups start at nine o'clock until 1130 break for lunch. Then you had to do it from one o'clock. I think one o'clock until four o'clock. You just had to be out there acting oh, like you're digging like in the ground with a spoon. It was like symbolic. And you had to do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and they would never tell you when you were done. They just say, 
you got you got yard or whatever again yeah. this morning and you just do it day after day after day so how yeah. deep it was didn't matter it was i, knew, I knew was so <laughs> little about rehab i knew so little about it like like i heard you had i heard they shaved your head and i was like i'm never going there man Fuck that. <laughs> yeah and they and they well even when I was there they had gotten rid of a lot of the stuff by the time by the way I didn't die of drugs I ended up in cry help two times one time for five and a half fucking months how I lived that long in there I don't know but um, <laughs> but when when I was in there they had given up they didn't have the right to shave your head or they didn't have the right to do a lot of things but they still had the right ironically they still had the right to shame you. So if you, so people were walking around with a, a, a mayonnaise jar full of mud. It's because they were holding their mud. It's, really? it's like a gang. So here's the interesting thing. If you're trying to teach people different behaviors and different language, why don't you not use their language in your program? Right? You know what I mean? Work, if you, work, a steps, so, work a steps or die, motherfucker. Remember that shit? Hey, yeah, yeah that, that, that steps works. or die. You yeah. need to adjust, Holmes. You and need to adjust. I love, I love, like, we know some people like Jeff Moore who went through there. Uh, uh, they they catch on to the gangbanger NA slogans like, yeah, it's suggested that you work the steps. Like, it's suggested that you have a parachute when you jump out of an airplane. Like, that's like a gangbanger NA thing. Yeah, okay. It's I, I, <laughs> and, and it's always said by people that have never been in an airplane. Like, yeah, no way you're like you're not getting out of an airplane. I but, was so clueless. Um, I was so clueless when Wag was in Thelonious Monster when he was in Mary's Danish. You didn't, I didn't even, even know he was I didn't in even the know band. He was sober. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know he was in the band. I was like, who's this guy? But okay, okay. We like rock and roll stories. So, Mike. To be fair, Mike. You were on one every time I saw you. You were. I, it was, I was like, "How's this guy walking?" It's not outside the norm for Mike to talk to me mid set and go, "Who's? What's the name of the bass player?" <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Mike Mart. Some people are really good with names. Like Xander can fucking name off so many fucking names, man. It's like I'm just like, "What? Who's the fuck are you talking about?" Hey, that guy looks different. <laughs> is that, is that, that, is that a new bass player? <laughs> oh. Names are just fucking beyond me. I don't know why. Yeah, dude. Like, I knew you. Hey, Mike. For you. Mike, you know, Mark, funny, Mike, names are fucking beyond me. <laughs> I I'm going to get a shirt that just says that. Don't introduce you, yourself. You names you are beyond Smoggy. me. I knew you from Smog, Mike. I knew you before I met you in Thelonious Monster. I knew you from Smog. Smog yeah. introduced yeah, because Smog well, was clean. Smog was clean when joined, I was new. The story goes that you joined Thelonious Monster and we never rehearsed. That's not true exactly. It's, you rehearsed with, true. We, it's not true. You rehearsed portions of the band. Maybe yeah. not the yeah. full band was there, yeah. but there were a well, couple people there. I was the only sober one, so I actually remember the story pretty good. And I, and okay. I would be more than happy to tell it if everyone yes. was okay. If so, everyone was okay yes, with me telling it. Oh, yes, of yeah. course. Half of okay. them are dead. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so this is exactly how it went. So I'm a bit of a fucking <laughs> paranoid dude when it comes to music. Um, I only like to do stuff if I can rehearse it a bunch because I'm afraid I'm going to play it wrong because some okay. weird shame thing I have in my brain where I'm going right. to die if I play it wrong. So 
I tell Bob says, Hey, is Rob can't play these gigs. We're doing these like three or four gigs. I think it's four gigs. Doing these four gigs, like one in San Diego, one at the Green Parrot, one at something else, and one at Rogers. And and can you do these gigs? And I said, Yeah, sure. But I I definitely need to do some rehearsals to learn the songs. And then he said, Great. How many rehearsals you need? I said, I need at least three rehearsals. <laughs> and Bob was like, I was like, no problem, right? That's a year's <laughs> worth. I'm like, I'm like, awesome. so, so I got I got the cassette tapes. I'm already at home fucking like, you know, just playing them because I'm fucking don't want to fuck up. And and we show up to the thing and I show up to Bob to, to the rehearsal studio, which is under Bob's house at the time. And and I'm there for an hour. No Bob, <laughs> no anybody. Nobody's there. <laughs> And I live there, Chuck. Yeah. I live he, up there. He lived there. Yeah. All he had to do was be there, and he wasn't. So Mike, Mike Mart rolls up on a skateboard, no shirt, and on a skateboard. I'll never forget it. And he's all, and he's all hey, Waggy, how's it going? I'm like, hey, Mike. He's like, is anybody here? I said, no. He's you know what? I'm going to go get a hamburger because you were close to the fucking <laughs> Astro. You live close to yeah. Astro Burger. Astro Burger. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go get a hamburger. I'm like, okay, great. So Mike goes down. Mike never comes back and no one ever shows up okay? <laughs> I'm there for like another hour. I finally go home. I go home. I call Bob later. I go, Hey dude, nobody showed up. I saw Mike, but then nobody else showed up. Uh, he said, Oh dude, sorry about that. Let's just fucking, let's do it again tomorrow. And I'll see you there. <laughs> so I, oh, no. I, I go there. I, I go there and I think you're, you're there. Pete's there. Chris is there Chris and Chris is there. is there. Yeah. And so that's you got it. three people. You got three. So we got, so we got three people. No Mike Mark though. So we I went to get a hamburger. <laughs> he did go to get a hamburger. His defense, hey. he did go to get a hamburger. But I so, went all the way yeah. down the Long Beach to my dope dealer's house. <laughs> <laughs> go, yeah. On a skateboard, by the way. So it took a hot minute to get there. So we go, we go, we do, I think like one and a half, two rehearsals. And then we go down to play the first gig and it's at, I don't really even remember. I think it was at a college and we show up and everybody's get, we do the sound check. No, Mike Mark. We did the gig time for the gig. I look over. There's a, there's a guitar leaning against Mike's amp, but no Mike Mark, but the, but you know, Chris <laughs> is there. I think Dix is there. Like I'm there. Like we're all there. We do the gig. So anyway, there's no Mike Mark until the final, I keep looking over no Mike Mark, but his guitar's leaning. Three quarters of the way through the final gig, the fourth gig at Raji's, in comes like I'd look out and there's like this mosh pit, and somehow in comes this like whirling dervish of a fucking human being. <laughs> like it was like he was floating <laughs> through everyone, and people were kind of bumping into him. Yeah. And he yeah. just fucking get yep, and he gets up on stage and he fucking puts on his guitar and he fucking starts playing his fucking ass off. And it, it was actually pretty incredible because he sounded really fucking good. I was like, Jesus. And I'm looking at him like, he's really not okay. That dude is fucked <laughs> up. Like, he's really fucking high. And then we play probably three songs with him, four songs. And, and then we stop. And then, and then we stop. And then that's it. The, the, the set's over. And then Bob goes to get paid by Dobbs. And then Mike, I just see Mike and Bob yelling at each other. 
Cause I know, oh and I, and I know Mike's trying to get paid for all four gigs, even though he showed up to fucking three songs of one gig and fucking, and I see them go to, I know exactly what's happening and I'm just kind of cracking. I can't hear anything. I don't need to, I know exactly what the fuck is going on. And then that was it. And then I didn't see Mike Mark for a long time after that. And then, uh, and then, and then when I heard Mike, like I strangely before Bob, before you got sober, Bob, I saw you on a skateboard over by the Nicodel as well. Wait a second. Yeah, but Wag, how many yeah. other guitar players were in the band at that time? Two. Only there were two, there, and you're, you're the main there, one. There, Come on. Was, now he's trying to say he should get paid, but he doesn't have to play because he already got two guys. <laughs> <laughs> See, you yeah, guys are still, still disagreeing on this. You still owe me. <laughs> well, well, there's a better story than that. Me and Rob Graves, you know, in charge of Mike, which think about oh, that. Think think God. about Bob. <laughs> Why is it always stories about me? And I Rob mean... Graves have to caretake Mike Mart, two guys oh. that can't feed themselves, basically. Oh. So we're in charge to go to Elliot's <laughs> altar to get Mike's head. We're to get his he head and guitar out of pond. <laughs> we and I don't think he rode with us. I think he met us there with some girl to give us a pond slip. Then me and Rob got the amp, put it in the monster van, and drove to Long Beach to Bogarts to play. Right. Mike doesn't show up for sound check, <laughs> and and we're sound checking. And then all of a sudden he's there, and I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, good. And then you know, two opening bands, so it's like ten thirty, and then we go to set up the equipment, and his head and guitar are gone. And he's gone. <laughs> then we start almost about to play. He comes walking up with an acoustic guitar. Where's I need a direct box. <laughs> and I said, dude, what are you doing? Where's your amp? And he's like, oh, it'll sound great. Don't worry about it. You got, we got too many guitar players as it is. He went and pawned his head and amp again in between sound check and the gig and still wanted to play the gig with an acoustic guitar. And he wanted to get paid. Andy, that Andy is Mike Mark. That was a good show, too. It was, yeah, really it was a good show. <laughs> you know what? It really was a good show. It was a good show. I, know, Great show. I think you guys are lucky not everybody had a camera back then. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. but, oh. but, you know, the, the sound of Thelonious Monster was three guitars. Because Chris has got that wacka 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 talking yeah. heads wah wah pedal thing dix has got the stooges wacka, thing dix has got the stooges chords thing though he can solo amazing but mostly it's his power of the weirdos the power of stooges yeah. that's his thing but so somebody's got talking fill in, head, somebody has to fill in in between chris's somebody wicka, wicka, wicka. has to solo yeah. mike that's why you're there Oh, oh really? <laughs> every time I would look to Mike and go, like you know, signaling like, him to his soul. Yeah, dicks, dicks. <laughs> I thought that was good. I always to jump off his one contribution to dicks. <laughs> oh, oh fuck! Oh. Uh, dicks plays it on the album. I said, no, he doesn't. He's like, well, somebody does. Jesus. It is true that there was. Well, let's quite talk a few about solos. how great Mary's Danish was. Mary's Danish. Oh. So, oh. Such a such a sensitive spot for me. But as time has worn on, I have nothing but warm feelings. One of my greatest musical moments, Wag, 
Because mm-hmm. when you get older and you're turning your kids on to your music, like Sydney, my daughter, loves music and she can't believe that I used to be a musician and all this kind of stuff. So we <laughs> used to we be. watch we watch YouTube things, right? Uh-huh. And so over the last three years, really seasons of wither with Mary's Danish and me singing at McCabe's, that's yeah, one of yeah. my greatest musical moments. How did I, you do that so good? I, dude, I don't I don't know. I actually have recently seen that and went like, wow, that's actually we pretty were fucking really good. fucking good. I don't, know that that, I don't I don't believe we definitely rehearsed it because that's what we did. But I'll tell you something, man. There was a couple of Thelonious gigs that was like the best in the top five of the best gigs I've ever been to. I've also oh. been to the, I've been to the, Some of the worst ever. <laughs> I've been to, cause I went to a lot of shows, dude. And, <laughs> and I went to fucking everything back then. I was, if there was a show happening, I was at it. Cause I love music and I was just into it. And I fucking loved your band and loved you guys. And was like, fuck. Cause I saw some of those magic shows. I was there for some of the magic. I was there for some of the ones where motherfuckers, wait, you know, wait, it wasn't, wait. it didn't go so good, but. They were still, there was always little nuggets in those shows that were fucking portions that were amazing. What do you feel about like, musicians? Like, I I just have, to me, it's like, it, it's like my college years. That's how I think of it. So we were driving to go somewhere and we drove by Peanuts. <laughs> uh, no, we were go, like, we we're going Santa to Santa Monica. To, to, yeah, Santa Monica. We were going to West Hollywood for something. All my kids <laughs> and me and my wife. And we're going down in the SUV down Santa Monica Boulevard and we go by peanuts and I go, Oh my God, I played one of my greatest shows there on Christmas Eve. And then, and the greatness of YouTube is you can go look at it. You can look at it in the car when you drive past the building that you played in 1986. That's Mike. I believe you were there at that. When we played a regular set and then it was Christmas Eve and everybody was depressed and drunk and on heroin and smoking crack and, including on stage smoking crack and and it de-evolved or evolved however you want to the band was uh 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 evan dando playing drums perry farrell playing bass i believe me and gibby singing and then a bunch of guitars and we did a bunch of cover songs and how about this? Evan Dando was drumming and we did Mrs. Robinson by the, that his cover of, but he wasn't even. And then I brought the mic to him and he sang it. It was one of the funnest nights where Fucking everything rad. was just fun and great. And, uh, and so there was a lot of fun and, and, and Mary's Danish was at the center of it. And it's weird. Like I sing the Mary's Danish songs to people like refreshing their memory. Like, you know, what is your reaction? Do people remember and have reverence for it? Or what do they think? Because with me, it's just like, I saw you, you were drunk, you were fucked up. That's how I get 90% of, right? 90%. But once in a while, people say what you said. Like, I saw you one time and it was transcendent and you yeah. played See My Grave or you said, so what if I did or yeah. whatever. But what do you get with Mary's Danish? Because to me, don't crash the car. Like, you guys came out of nowhere. Um with that song and then it kind of having a hit song kind of curses you on a certain level a lot oh, of totally yeah that one got a right? lot of popularity going yeah no yeah. It, it was it that was it it was on your first ep right or whatever first thing you recorded 
Do you remember the Sunday night K-Rock music show with uh, Kurt? Uh, God damn it. Loader? They had, a, they had a local music show. No, it wasn't Kurt Loader. God damn it. And they the guy's played name? a demo of it on there? They played our fucking demo that we recorded at Radio Tokyo. And, and they got a record deal off of that? It made it to number five on their playlist. So they were playing it all the fucking time. Why and we didn't not? really know what the fuck we were doing. And then I think somebody kind of called one of us and said, no, the guy from the music show, he was really cool. Was totally nice, dude. He's like, you guys got a manager? And we're like, no. I'm like, well, you're number five on our playlist and we're a P1 station and Bob just a bunch of fucking shit I didn't understand. <laughs> and then and then said and said, you should, you should my hey Chuck, the reason why we failed all these years is because we never had a song on the P1, P1 station. Exactly. Yeah. And and, and so P1. but so he he said, You're you're like number five on our playlist, which is huge. Uh you should, somebody should go like, dude, go to the record labels and, you know, cause we were like just sitting at home. Nobody really had our, our demo or anything except K-Rock, the guy at K-Rock, you know, it was like. How insane is that, Chuck? How many times have you tried to get your band played on K-Rock, Chuck? My whole life I've tried to get played on K-Rock. They record one song and it's on K-Rock. No, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And, That's and so but, cool. But also, but also just on a personal note, like I just started playing an instrument. Like, <laughs> I didn't, I, so, so what happened was like, you know, I got sober, right? My life got way different than it was. I was now living indoors. Like shit was fucking good. I was no longer, <laughs> yeah. I was no longer institutionalized all the time. I only Not on the North couple. wing. You weren't getting beat I up. I was on no the longer North on wing. fucking North wing. I only went to jail a couple of times in sobriety, but only for like a day trip. Nothing, I, nothing bad was happening to me. I was still acting kind of like a young hooligan because I was a young hooligan, you know? And then all of a sudden uh, I get in this motorcycle accident. I get this fucking hip thing. So I can't do what I'm wanting to do. And what I want to be is a contractor. I got two brothers. They're both contractors. They're both fucking like these like big making fucking money, early yeah. dudes. And they're making money and they're good at what they do. And, and I see that and I want to do that. And like, you know, and, and, that, and that becomes my focus and my goal. But then I can't because now I got this fucking hip thing and I can't, I'm on a cane and I can't, you know, I'm basically, I got the skill. So level let me of, fill it in for the millennials at home. So he had something for the unfair <laughs> happen to him and it, and he was disabled. And instead of sitting around and feel sorry for himself and watch TV and be on opiates, he learned how to play bass and got in a famous rock band. How great is that for the kids? At I should have done that. That's what I should have done. <laughs> I should have talked to exactly what I thought too, <laughs> by the way, it, this, and I remember thinking this, like it was fucking yesterday. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to learn how to play an instrument and then I'm going to get in a band and I'm going to go on tour. Let me and ask I you this. Were the Red God, Hot Chili Peppers, in like a year and change, what that's what had happened. What was your favorite band at that time before you even picked up? It was Chili Peppers, wasn't it? No, my favorite band was uh, Black Sabbath. Oh, my nah, God. there you go. I'm, I, I was, uh, I was, well, real, you missed the I mark was, of playing that kind of music by a long shot. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't really, but, <laughs> I but, but also, get further away for black sabbath and mary's danish <laughs> well because because when i met david king he's like hey man i'm starting a band with this fucking you know my girlfriend and blah 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 and this chick and this other thing and blah blah, blah. come play bass and i'm like 
Yeah, I don't really play, dude. I just started playing. I just play and along like, with Sabbath he's like, he's and like, I can't hear myself. He's, he's like, you're fine, dude. Come do it. And I'm like, okay. So I do it. And I literally had been to my friend, uh, Mark, who I was in rehab with. I'd been to his house like three times and like tried to play with him. He was a guitar player. And I was terrible. Like I was, so, I just, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I was like trying to remember when the parts would come. And I wasn't really, you know, it was, and I was like, and I could hear how terrible I was. And I was like, fuck. And then same thing with King. I went over there and I was just, I was so embarrassed the whole time. But then I'm realizing I'm like, yeah, he kind of sucks too. Like we all kind of <laughs> suck. <laughs> and it was, was kind of great. But then from that point on, uh, I was working at ASAP. I was working at the, the adolescent beating kids up program. on the North Ward. Beating no, kids no, no, up no, no, on no. the North no, Ward. We, no, we were taking them to meetings and shit and trying to talk to them <laughs> and trying to do other shit. But it wasn't like behavior modif like modification shit. It was like, you know, talking to them in therapy and, you know, it was actually fun. Yeah, ASAP, ASAP had a good uh, adult and adolescent program. Yeah. I worked at the one in Buena Park. Okay. Yeah. They hired, they hired young people to, to, to mm -hmm. cause like I was just a few years older than some of these kids, you know, so like right. they loved having young staff members and I was a young staff member and, and I got to the point where I went, Oh, I know how I'm going to get good at this. I'm going to get on graveyards because graveyards, all you're doing is taking rounds and like, yeah, taking, like, like yeah. that's it. Staying awake. <laughs> I'd sit there and drink fucking coffee and fucking run scales and play oh my all God. day, all night. Listen dude. To That's that. all I did. And and I it just is. put in the fucking work. It was almost like I could only focus on one thing. Yep. And that's what I did. And I, just, I had the fucking hyper focus and I just did it for fucking months, dude. And it was fucking crazy. Da, 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 it was awesome. And you faked the rounds. You know, I totally you faked the rounds, by the way. Yep. If you ever watch Flea warming up, that's all he does. He does scale. Yeah. He does a scale oh, out, out the one fret, the other yeah. fret, the other fret. And then he goes back to the bottom. He just does it all for an hour before. It's not, it's not like great musicians do anything different than mediocre musicians. Everybody no, does I, the I, same I, thing. <laughs> we were we were fortunate enough to be on tour with 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 uh the chili peppers at one point you know opening up and i and i and i walked up to flea and just asked them i said dude what do you do what do you warm up with you know like because like you know do you have like a warm-up thing that you do he's like yeah and he showed it to me and i fucking i still do it i still do the thing that he i've showed, seen like, it a million times he's an insane bass player he goes up and down up and down the scale I was in a band with Robbie Allen for a minute, right? And you know, Robbie used to work for that. Yeah, and, and we used and, to be in the and, band. Yeah, he, for a he while. was in the band, but he'd like, you know, he'd been around them forever. And uh, and I used to have this thing that I used to say when I was just being an idiot and being facetious, and and people go, "What well, you know? What do you what do you think of Flea?" And I go, "I just don't think he's very soulful." <laughs> you know, right and i and i would and i would say the that, only thing he is <laughs> yeah the only thing he is right and i would say i would say that right and i but i would say it like almost in a convincing way and i'd, I'd see people kind of trip on me right and then and and but like you guys got it immediately you know <laughs> and then i think it was like a second or third time i said it robbie almost fought me <laughs> robbie almost fought me he's like he's the most soulful piece of shit you do the most soulful fucking you fucking don't have fucking this much of the soul in his pinky, you motherfucker. And I was just like, whoa, Bob, dude, just kidding. He's like, 
bullshit, motherfucker. I heard you say that shit before. I said, I was joking before, too. I go, believe me. Believe me, dude. Um, but yeah. So how I did was, the band when, when we were on tour? I hit him up for though. that. He gave me he was so giving of the information, too. He was just like, yeah. Oh yeah, check it out, dude. And he he was like the fucking, you know, and me and me and Flea aren't tight. I've never been like like, you know, we're friendly, but I'm not like hanging out with Flea, you know what I mean? Um it, it, but well, it when was you like, were a kid, I said so I said I said, because Rob quit or whatever, and then we we're getting back together in Martine. We like Pete kind of knew Martine or whatever. And I was thinking, I said to Flea, like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and like, you know, we're, when we were getting back together in ninety or ninety one or whatever. And I said, I'm thinking of like getting a hold of Wag, and he goes, Don't do that to him. Like. <laughs> 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 You know, come on, don't have a little kid playing in your band and poison his mind and his soul and all that. And then Martine, I think, is younger than you, right? Because Martine, when I met him, he I had think, like one I think of those, he, is. he had a little beanie spinner hat, like like oh, oh you know, he was like yeah. he, no, was he was really real, young. young. I was like, okay, I'll, we'll ruin, we'll ruin this he young man's life. Hat. I'm not kidding you, no, Chuck. He, he did. did. He, he did. did. No, <laughs> yeah, Good story. He absolutely 100% did. He used oh, to wear well, everybody, you know what? Now you rewrite history. Norwood used to wear that hat. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, people wore that yeah. hat proudly, by the way. Yeah. Proudly. Yeah, yeah but it just looked, straight up it looked funnier on Martine because he had the missing tooth. <laughs> yeah, the tooth. <laughs> he had the missing <laughs> that tooth. That he looked it. like the guy in uh, the bubblegum wrapper, man. The fucking missing <laughs> tooth. The but I mean, how, how long until until Thelonious Monster just 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 devour it we were like a junkie devouring of people machine I smoked crack <laughs> for, for the first time with Martin like Dude, we did it okay. but we didn't do it just to musicians we did it to crew that poor Brian guy we drove him insane and left him in the middle of the snow somewhere I don't know if he ever got back <laughs> little, little hey, Louie, if anybody knows Brian can you <laughs> little, Louie, little Louie was walking down Melrose with a ghetto blaster playing Thelonious Monster me and Rob Grace were walking down Melrose and we heard our music and we walked across the street and it was a little kid and we said what are you listening to? And he just looked up and he was 16 years old, little Louis Matthew. And he looked at me and he goes, you? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here, here, come on, let me ruin your life right now, little kid. We found out that he had a credit card. And we were like, you're going on tour with oh. us, little man. Wow. In fact, survive. You're, you're our new manager. You've got a credit card. <laughs> So he looked too young to really rent three motel six rooms at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning. So one of us had to go in there with him, like act like his older brother. <laughs> but the credit card was in. Fucking excellent. Just come out of the fucking mist and come walking out. Chris Hansen with his little briefcase. <laughs> like they're walking out of Mordor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like he was, and then the guy from Hootie and the Blowfish 
this is a story I tell all the time. So he comes to our gig and he loves us and he's in college. He's talking to me and I just liked him a lot. I think his name is Mark or something. I just liked him. And he said, told me he's going to, I said, he's going to college. I said, ah, college is for losers. You should just come on the road with us. And he quit school. Jesus. I just like oh. to corrupt the, you know, bring people into this decadent life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which all goes back to pizza and don't do that to him. <laughs> don't do that to him. But it oh. really was like, you know, oh. you just think. And I remember when we were trying to, we were kind of becoming a real band because the first album was like, nobody knew what it was really. And so KK was in it and John Hawk and, and, yeah. and then. I remember they we started to make the second record and we had like kind of become a real band. And uh, KK and John had this talk with me where they said, Well, you know, we wanna, you know, we we'll help or whatever, but we don't want to uh go on the road or be in the band anymore. Yeah. And I was like, What are you talking Ooh. about? And they're like, <laughs> Yeah, and I remember KK saying, um, I'm a grown-up. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be in charge of something you and Pete Weiss are in charge of. Like, I'm not going to be in that. And it just was mind-blowing to me. Like, they're they're turning their backs on the greatest opportunity of their life. By the way, they have fully realized wonderful lives. And, uh, Wait, and we went on the death march to, to hell. But it was it really was. It was fun. And then when it went from going from fun into kind of being a real band, the people that were just in it for the fun, just like, hey, I'm out. I'm out of this. And so we had to keep feeding and eating people to replace yeah. this energy that was four guitar players, bass player, horn section, keyboards. Remember John Dentino was our keyboard player for years, Mike. You don't even remember. I didn't even I don't know we even had one. I couldn't know his name. <laughs> Mike didn't know his damn name. Guy was there, there for years. The guy from the Fibonacci's was the keyboard player. Uh, no I have no, I have no recollection of keyboards yeah. on any songs. How do you oh. think we did smoke on the water so often? You can't do smoke on the water without <laughs> organ. That's it. No, you know. have to have it. Dude, <laughs> you told me, Bob, you told me. When I filled in for Rob, God fucking rest his soul. I love fucking Rob. He was fucking rad. Uh, he was an amazing musician. He and fucking fun was, guy. dude. And yeah, fun he guy. was fucking so fucking rad. He, but he, uh, you told me, you went, Wagner, you're band member 56. I was literally, <laughs> seriously. And this was early on. This was like way before you'd gone through way more, dude. And you, I, I, think I that counted really it all up. Your band, your band member number 56. Off I was like, the top fuck. of my head, let's just go. You had the first seven, mm -hmm. like KK Barrett, John Huck, Dick, Bill Stobow, Dick Stanny, Chris Hansen, me, Pete, Tree. Flea, Flea Tree, and Alan Johannes. Uh huh. Spit sticks, uh, oh, uh, and then it evolves. In, then that Mike Mart, then Keith Morris uh -huh. on on unplugged in acoustic guitar. Which why that was and he had nobody some female quite, singers had some singers. Susie Gardner, yeah, Danita. Oh, Susie. Uh, uh, didn't uh, Sabrina sing on something with you? Sabrina Judge, my ex girlfriend. Right, Julie Sabrina. Ritter was in. Yes, Julie Ritter yes. was in Florence yes. Monster. 
uh, all of Mary's Danish was in Thelonious Monster. JBJ yeah. was in it. But yeah. Everybody was all yeah. that. All the Fishbone guys, all the Chili Peppers yeah. guys, including yeah. Hillel, Lindy Getz. By the time you get in it, all those people have already been in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's only the second album. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. It's insane. I'm kind of pissed that I was never in it. Yeah. You're not you're old enough. You're not old <laughs> no. enough. Hey, 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 wait. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. Yet. Yet. <laughs> yes. a new why, are you, why are you acting oh like it's over, God. dog? <laughs> somebody, somebody said the other day, hey, I've. Oh, I, oh! This this agent friend of mine said, "Hey, you know, he doesn't know Thelonious Monster. He just knows the Bicycle Thief because Josh Klinghoffer or whatever." He goes, "You know, your original band, like people really like that band. I think I could get you a gig at the Roxy." And I was like, "Do it. Let's see what. Let's see who shows." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got a big pool to draw from. Yeah, I mean, we should just put right. that in. And add in, well, you don't put ads in papers anymore. We should just put something out on Facebook. <laughs> put Anybody in the that's cycle. ever been in Thelonious Monsters, be at the Roxy at Hello 10 o'clock on this night. <laughs> See who shows up. Potential set list. Like potential. Yeah, set list. Set list. <laughs> <laughs> you know, rehearse with the cassette tape, and we'll see you there. <laughs> but so, Wag, your life now, you still have the studio? Still have the studio. And but don't um I don't spend a lot of time at it. Uh I wasn't really spending a lot of time at it. I was spending more time at the home studio because I just yeah, you it's just, just do, e it's it's easier yeah, for me got, to I, get stuff done. You know what I mean? I like I get more stuff done. I love carrying information from one end to the earth to the other. Tonight in a meeting, mm -hmm. I I so somebody said, Hey, Apple asked for the uh whatever it's called, the the, the things there's a little attack what are the things called the on a song the stems the, the stems or oh, something yeah yeah right and i said what are stems and they explained it to me and then i said and they're maybe gonna use it and then they said they've done this movie song for uh fists of fury right and uh -huh. i said what do you get for for a song like that and she she said oh we got we got go a good thing because the song was in the trailer and I said, You're, right. well, you get more money if it's in the trailer. She goes, oh, the trailer is everything. And she said, there are companies that only make music for trailers. Yeah. I've done you, it. Is that what you do? So I've done it. Like, so uh, we've Chuck, written, Chuck, we've written we're on seven the wrong, seconds. We're on the wrong end of the music business, Chuck, right, trying to write songs that people like. No, 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 <laughs> Chuck. You want to write the music for a movie trailer. That's where all the money is. Yeah, but you do, it, look here. Like, so this has been my experience with that, which is really interesting. Just a brief experience of it. When we first started doing trailer music, like they would always temp in like the cars and you know, like you and know, they like, want you to sound like that. <laughs> yeah. You know how they're like they're real like slam cuts and yeah, like yeah. changed. And so, like, it's literally two to three seconds. Yeah, and they want you to have a sound alike that's like that, so you can't get sued. Because you'll get sued, and you got to, but it's got to have that energy. It's got to be at that tempo. It's got to have a similar sound. So you know, they've been doing that trying, for years, though. Yeah, you're you're trying to beat that. You're trying to beat something that is a classic, which is impossible. Well, they, you know, and but, it's less than they, six seconds, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's less than it's less than like 
Dude, it was but do you get like five grand for that? You oh, get they like were five grand? Seven, no, I think at, I think at and, six seconds you can you can get sued or you can get charged or they can get money from you. Yeah, but you but you would get we would get paid to knock these off depending on how much we were doing. But on the other side of the spectrum, they were like, we have this. It was a Richard Gere movie called like B spelling. It was a spelling bee movie. B season. It's called B season, right? Yeah. So we had this trailer. And this trailer was one whole song all the way through. And so I had this kind of like what it, by us, we wrote it. You it was wrote it? Kind of, yeah, it was this, it was me and my two partners wrote it. And it was this broken down kind of version uh, that, that like had like a bunch of space in the beginning. So dialogue can go over it. Right. right. And then they, and then you, and the dialogue can go through the whole thing, but then it finally gets to this point where it kind of blows up. And then it's like, you know, it's, and, it, and it looks all dramatic. You know, you've seen a million movie trailers. It yeah. looks like every movie trailer. They also paid for a string section, which was a fortune because the uh, the person that came out, the executive that came out, so everything was cool. We were working on it. They loved it from the beginning. It was awesome. Uh, uh, you know, we were like stoked. We're like, God, this seems like uh, it's not going to be like they're just going to frame fuck us and just like make us change everything. And then the day that the string section came out, this executive came out that we'd only seen one other time. And she, she was like, I swear to God, this woman must have gone to the gym five times a week. She was in perfect shape. She was a little bit older, you know, probably like in her forties or something. And, and, uh, at that time, uh, uh, to drop a name, uh, Cornell, Cornell was coming by the studio cause he was rehearsing down the street at mates. And Rick, my partner, used to play with him. And so he would just drop in occasionally. This woman shows up with this kid and she starts basically changing everything she can. Like, she's just like, I don't know that this part is really, you know. And we're like, you know, there's a string section out there and it's like a thousand dollars a fucking minute. It's so much money. <laughs> right. And and like, they have to pay. We're trying to, and, and we're trying to get this thing moving forward. You know what I mean? And, and so she finally introduces us to this young dude. And, and I'm like, so what do you do? And he's like, oh, I work in the mailroom. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I heard her, she chimes in and says, yeah, he has a guitar. Oh, oh. so the dude doesn't even work <laughs> in the creative part of the like equation. But he has an like an Eastwood acoustic guitar or something. Oh, right? and that's why she brought him. Yeah, uh, and I was like, I was like, uh, oh fuck, we're fucked. We're gonna be here all night making changes for fucking Steve and the mailroom guy, <laughs> and then we won't stop working out. And I'm like, this is I'm like, this is bullshit. We're fucked. This like, and I'm, and it's I'm like, still better than being in Thelonious Monster. I can tell you that. <laughs> no, so I'm trying to be cool, but then, but then. Cornell comes by and saves the day. Well, he did swear to God. He totally did. So he comes by and the way you walk into the control room and where the board is, they're kind of sitting behind you, but you don't necessarily see them unless you turn and look. So he'd been coming all week and dropping by to visit Rick. And he walks in and he'd heard the song and he actually was like, fuck, cool song. Like, you know what I mean? No, no, like, oh, the song's awesome. But he was like, cool song. And then he walks in and he goes, are you still just fucking frame fucking this thing jesus christ it was great a week ago like stop it like he like and then he turned around <laughs> and went and he turned around and he looked at him and he goes oh my god excuse me i'm so sorry like and then he walked out and then i walked out with him and he was like dude i hope that 
I hope that I didn't like fuck anything up. I you went just lost us a job. I, no, I said I could kiss you on the mouth, dude. That was perfect. I don't even care if we get fired. They need to hear that. <laughs> like in my head, I was like, I don't what give is a frame fuck. fuck. For those at home, what is frame fucking? What does it mean? I don't okay, know, but so, I'm going to start well, using it because everything has to be aligned <laughs> to frames, and you yeah. have to sing, you know you sync stuff up musically. How do you frame. know this stuff, Mike? Mark? I, I've done a few. You, Mike, Mike knows he's had to fuck around. Uh, so there's uh, most things are done at about thirty seconds a frame, or sixty. Uh, six, excuse me, thirty frames a second, or sixty frames a second. Okay, so if you look at a frame, you ever seen a film kind of yeah yeah yeah, and, yeah. and you yeah, see yeah. one frame? There's thirty of those in one second. Okay, so do the math. When you're frame fucking something, you're literally like, "Can you just move that? That that one little section." Ah. And that's just that's what frame fucking is. It's like you're just like, seriously, that's gonna fucking fix everything. Like, really, not the fact that this is a giant turd, but like you just think, (laughs) let us moving shit around like a fucking half a frame. That's gonna fucking make it great. I saw spelling bee because I love Richard Gere and whatever. But right, what? What have you ever been where you can't believe Chris Wagner, psych ward Chris, 14-year-old psych ward Chris, yeah. you know, junkie new name, Chris. New name, Chris. New, I, yeah. new, yeah. new hip, new hip. Yeah. Um, when, what what things have you worked on where you just went, I can't believe that we're doing this. So yeah, tell us psych ward wag. that's pretty good actually uh uh wedding wedding crashes we did we did uh oh we did, wow we did all the um all the big band music so i was just like i can't believe is that judd apatow did judd apatow make that movie no it was uh it was david dopkin Oh, okay. Um, uh, also, um, I, I, I love uh, documentaries because, you know, I'm pretty uneducated and, and I, love, <laughs> That's I, love, learn. I love I love learning <laughs> shit. And the only way I get to learn is because I'm so fucking ADHD out. When you work on a documentary, you watch it a million times. And so I get to learn whatever we're working on. So we just did that. Um, we did that, uh, that Jerry Lopez one that was oh, really excellent. great. Uh, yeah. We did the music for that, but um, but that uh, working for Stacy Peralta was one of those moments. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm working on some of his stuff. How's he doing? Made, How's made he in doing? America the history of How's the Bloods he and Crips. He's fucking. He's awesome, dude. He's the best fucking guy, dude. dude he's the best dude ever because he walks in and he goes, "Before you play me anything, let me give you my notes." Like he's just a fuck. He's, he's, he's just funny. Like he'll, he'll come in and just because you know he's so mellow. But like he'll say something really fucking funny, and it'll make you pee your pants. But um, but uh, we did um, we did the uh, eight days a week the Beatles for Ron Howard. Oh my God, you're kidding me! And then we did for Ron Howard as well the Pavarotti, the nice. Pavarotti uh, documentary, and the, and those two. That's where I was just like. From Fuck, psych man. ward to Pavarotti. From psych ward That's to all you gotta Pavarotti. say. And, and, I, and, I, and it was like, I was like, holy crap. I've worked on a lot of things where I've gone like, wow, that's pretty cool. But those, when I, when I, I was at a screening and the, and the, and the, and the editor introduced me to Ron Howard, I, I didn't, I was just like dumbfounded, dude. I was like, holy fuck. And Ron Howard was the most normal, like, Fucking like, dude! You did not make you did not make a Happy Days reference, did you? 
Uh, <laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. no, no he was cool. No. Since he called him Opie. He called him Opie. I, 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 I would have called him Opie, but <laughs> I swear to God, he went. He he turned to me right after he shook my hand and met me and went, "So cool. What did you know? What did you think?" Like he really wanted to know what you thought because that's, that's part nice. of his process, I wow. guess. And I could tell that's what they were talking about when I walked up, and he really wanted to know, like. You know, what were you, did you have a favorite part? Like he, you know, he like, he lived like, what did you think didn't work? Like, you know, he's like, he was, and I was like, and then after that, he was just like, so fucking rad and normal. I'm like, how can this guy who's been doing this since he's fucking three or something, <laughs> how can this guy be the normalest guy I've ever met in show business? It's crazy. And still care. And yeah. still care. That's what's yeah. shocking to me. Yeah. Like right? I, I got to work with Robert Altman. The guy was just like insane intensity. Work 20 hours a day, shoot right. it all day, go to the editing bay at night, be there right. till two o'clock in the morning, sleep two hours on the couch in the editing bay, and then go to the shoot at 7 a.m. Like, right. Uh, and 80, it was a movie called Gingerbread Man. And right. it was just like nobody saw it because it was. Why do the older directors start making four-hour movies? Why do they insist on that? <laughs> <laughs> they ignore why the formula because why? they've got the movie that it's going to work for. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. isn't like uh, the new uh, James Cameron movie like eight and a half hours long or something? Okay, okay. Like, there's there's three movies right now that are over three hours. Okay, um, I've, seen, I've seen two of them. Avatar, what's the other one? Uh, the Babylon uh, oh, Babylon, I heard it's unwatchable. I didn't go see it. Well, that's funny. I, it, the thing about Babylon, I know two people that have seen it like multiple times, and I know a few people that have walked out. I've wow. heard that it's sexy, though. I like sexy. Yeah, it's sexy. I still do like sexy. I, I would watch it. You know it what's sexy? You know what's sexy <laughs> that you don't want to think <laughs> when you're old, you don't want to think sexy. The weekend has a TV show that Johnny Depp's daughter's on. Have you seen that? No. It's like about the music business or whatever. Oh my God. What my wife, look at that. My wife's outside with my son. He won't go to sleep. Can you guys see? <laughs> oh that? no. Man, sounds <laughs> like daddy that. needs to go put him to bed. <laughs> no, no, oh, no. Such a nightmare. I just is a nightmare. I'm to watch out for bears. bears. My wife just watched just... it. My wife's in the other room, dude. She fucking just came home from an Allen on meeting. Oh, there you hey, go. Speaking All of right. which, you know, me and me and Wag played a AA convention just so I know I we, saw you. I saw you. I I thought it what did I think it was, Mike? Did a Jackson Brown concert. I saw Chris Hoy and a friend of Chris Hoy's, and I was like, that's a Jackson Brown <laughs> concert. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You gotta go oh. see Jackson, Bobby. You gotta go see Jackson. Uh, he loves Jackson, man. He loves Jackson Brown. Oh, Jackson's uh, a legend. Oh, have you ever gosh. gone to see Jackson with Chris Hoy? It's a spiritual experience for him. I, I haven't gone to see Jackson. I know how much he loves him, but I've never gone with him to see Jackson. No. Yeah, how does that fit? Like, you know, you, you were there when Hoy got out of prison, right? Not really a Jackson Brown type uh, person <laughs> right then. Yeah, <laughs> when I met him, so me and Hoy met when we were 18. Right? Or he was 19, I was 18. Yeah, was. Something, something, something like that. He's I think he's a year older than me. Um, but I'm talking about the second time back in the 90s. Yeah, he was, no, he was, he no. Had, 
He had gone full gangster then. Dude, when he got out and he was all still just, he was kind of yoked. He was all prison yoked. <laughs> I looked at him and I, I was like, I was like, what the fuck, man? And Here's- I was thinking, I'm thinking like, what the fuck are you all like? And I realized, yeah, you kind of got to do something in prison to stay in shape. Well, so he's just in there lifting weights and playing handball. A lot of my friends from the 80s that went to prison either came out a Christian talking about Jesus in the Bible or a yeah, full-on yeah. racist gangster. Like, yeah. well, there was no. <laughs> Here's the weird thing about Jeff Drake, right? If Jeff Drake yeah. went in and he came out and he was exactly the same. How the fuck is that? <laughs> I have no idea. He just, he just read a lot, apparently. He, he just stayed on his bunk and read a lot. But haven't you had friends? They just saw, hey, have you heard? For, let me tell you about the first time he played a show. He played it right after he got out of prison. He got the Joneses back together and he played a show at the laundry. And he walked on stage after being away for 10 years. And he said, uh, ah, it's great to be back. no drama no drama no back when i got sober i would because there was a halfway house right by my house on the top of vine street and i would you know i'd meet people at AA, and they'd be in there and whatever and i'd try to be of service and whatever and it was almost to a one they were either i hate to say it really jesus freaks or like gangster that racist yeah. kind of uh, you know the world is the area hey brother hey brother mexican guys the mexican gangs this is before yeah. ms i remember when thing. ms i was a counselor in echo park for uh at-risk youth that were getting into gangs at the echo park library on temple Wow. And I used to have all these therapy tools I used. I made them up myself, thought they were so clever. I'd take them all outside and oh. they'd say, you know, these are streets. This is, you know, um, whatever, whatever that, um, what was the big Echo, uh, uh, Echo Park, MacArthur Park gang? Uh, uh, fuck, what were they called? Anyways, they're, most of the kids were from that gang, but then right, there are different right. tribes of that gang or whatever. Yeah, they talk yeah, about yeah. their streets and what they own, and this is they, fucking, they were the Jets and yeah. the Sharks. Yeah, I yeah. forget what the name was. <laughs> so then I take them out what the street. And I go, I go, whose street is this? And they'd say, you know, this is you know whatever uh, gang it was. And I'd say, no, uh, it's not. It's the public. The public owns the sidewalk and the street. The buildings all around here are all owned by rich people in Beverly Hills, most likely. You don't have nothing to do with this street, right? <laughs> and then you see these like 15-year-old kids looking at this old hippie punk rocker, like challenging, challenging, challenging their belief system. And this is all to deal yeah. drugs. This is all to like keep this yeah. like shame and guilt and secrecy and criminality to drug use which we know is a disease we've all we all have it yep. it can be easily rescinded with love compassion honesty and no bullshit and yeah. and and i believe that just wrapping up i believe that intervening on your kid that you caused the problem with and sending them away is just wrong like at least have them be in town at at Vista Del Mar, and Ten and Overland, and go to family group and participate in your kid's thing, yeah, because yeah. you are you are the only person I know that got sober at eighteen years old. You're the only one, yeah, and, no, and it's, it's, thousands and thousands have been sent away, including half my girlfriends. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that was probably your fault. Just judging from the last. Speaking of eighteen, wag. Yeah. How old are you now in AA? 
I'm 56. I'm, I'm 56. I'm 56 years old as a human and I'm 38 years sober. God. Oh, damn. wow. 38. I will be 62 in two weeks and I will be th- 27 in a month and a half. God willing, the people on this podcast <clears throat> and the steps and the God and everybody else. Um, it's pretty amazing that, fuck, Bob? that 27 years on March <laughs> no, no, 16th. It's an absolute miracle. It is it's crazy. I, I know two of you motherfuckers to be high as fuck, higher than almost everyone else. So the fact right. that Mike, Mark, one of Mike, Mark, have- definitely. Yeah, be honest, you, you were there. I'm sure you were there sober. Terrible. I was nowhere near as bad as Mike Mark. There's no really, dude. No really, <laughs> really, dude. <laughs> oh, no, you know, we were just, really? just about done. Uh, <laughs> you can open that can of worms. Oh, my God. That's for <laughs> the next one. That's called minimalization. <laughs> okay, let's right. yeah. well, I was sober the whole time. Of the drug addict friends of ours, and you can name last names if you want, but you can just use the first names. Rank them worst, craziest, uh, you know, <laughs> one through five. Stupidest. I, I would say, uh, all right. I would say Mike, John, yeah. yeah, Anthony, yeah, probably me for de- de- definitely, <laughs> definitely you, and Mark, and, and probably Martine. Martine fifth. There you yeah. go. That's yeah. the top five. Mike, you're the top of the top of the top, Mike. Oh, I, hey, yeah. Wag, thank you oh. so much for coming, Thank brother. you so much, Wag. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to see you all. And, we sure uh, love and, you. I'm sure I'm and, glad we're all hooked up again. Uh, no, me too, man. And let's fucking make some music, God damn it. Let's yeah, play let's the Roxy. Let's play the Roxy. I'm ready. Whenever you we'll want to do it, I'm in. We'll rehearse uh, anytime yeah, sure. you want. Like. <laughs> <laughs> At least once. Drums and bass got to be tight. Yeah. Okay. Guitars can do whatever they want. Yeah, y'all do whatever. As long as we're good, you guys. All right. See you later, you guys. Good night, gentlemen. Bye-bye. See you later. Don't die, anybody. Nice to meet you, Wag. Great to meet you, Chuck. See you later. See you. Bye, Wagner. Bye, Mike.